Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITK Media. You've tuned in to our podcast about Central and Eastern European companies that are in pre-Series A stage. We, our mission is to help such companies in their quest for first business successes, quest for investors, clients, or all combined. And our guest today is Lech Kanyuk, the CEO and co-founder of Sunroof, whose mission is to speed up the global transition to renewables by developing beautiful roofs that by generating electricity will cover the energy demand of the entire building. And as of today, the company has implemented around 100 roofs in Sweden, Norway, Poland, they are on a like expansion spree all over Europe. Uh, hi, Lech. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, thanks. Lech, let's um, dive into the first round, the solution, the project, or the general context as well, right? So um, it's been said that sun is the source of endless, endless energy. And it's and your idea to, uh, to make another uh, successful business of yours is to harness this energy. So um, tell me, where's, where's the company right now? And um, what is the uh, current status of your business uh, in Poland or Central Eastern Europe uh, as such? Um, yeah, so Poland uh, is our first country we expanded to uh, outside Sweden. And uh, it's going really, really great. Um, I think um, it's, it's over expectation, I think. Um, and it's actually a very big, large, big, big market. And we see a lot of opportunities, uh, not only for our roof, but also for, for like all the products that we, and services we want to provide. Um, and uh, we launched uh, recently uh, Germany with an um, ex-Tesla manager. Uh, so um, uh, kind of we see that uh, there's a lot of interest uh, there as well. And we're getting all, already um, contacts and, and uh, partnerships coming up and people that want to uh, do something with us uh, in, in Central Eastern Europe. So so really exciting. And uh, I think that um, very, very soon, uh, as today we have more than 100 completed roofs, um, then I think Poland will deliver more than 100 roofs only uh, in, in, in a month uh, or so. So, uh, so it's really exciting. It goes really, really well. To set a more general kind of context for the you know, conversation we'll be having, a modern classic uh, of, the, of the solar industry said that having um, roof solar panels is like having money printers on your roof. Do you agree with uh, his statement? So I would say that partially yes. Um, uh, so the traditional kind of PV installation you put on top of your roof, uh, that's usually also sold in a smaller um, uh, the smaller size. So it, it's actually not printing money for you, but it's more of saving money, um, I would say. Uh, but when you do a sunroof that that you have the whole roof is filled with um, uh, with solar and uh, usually they actually produce more energy than the house needs. And what we want to do is actually take that excess energy and sell it for the customer. Uh, now, uh, that's what I would call a money printing machine for the customer. What about um, what about the regular question? Very often you can you could hear that whether or not solar roofs will work effectively in Poland. And Poland is known not to be a very sunny uh, country, all in all. Yeah, uh, so uh, I would even take Sweden as the uh, even better example where it's even more north. Yeah. And um, uh, so so like if we take even Sweden where you, ha you have even less uh, sunlight, uh, it, it actually takes not more than three to five years for the incremental um, investment you need to do between a regular roof and a sunroof to be paid back. And that's without subsidies. So I think there's no other PV or energy source that uh, pay itself off within three to five years. That's um, I haven't seen any, so I'm happy to, to get uh, any information if someone has something that pays back even 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 faster and um, and uh, I mean Poland is, is similar in terms of Sun um, but it, it's still very very good and so Poland for example it's actually cheaper to buy a sunroof than first build a roof and then put a PV installation on top of that 
and that's just purely uh, mathematics and, and, and the financials and not talking about the aesthetics and, uh, and, and less carbon footprint because you use less material and so on. So yeah, I think it's, um, we've actually come to, to that point that is actually cheaper than a roof plus solar because usually if you look at other uh, our other competitors so our main competitor like tesla uh it's still a very much of a premium product and i would say it's still much more of a design product with a cool feature than actually that uh, you know you're buying a solar installation because uh, using thin foil uh, solutions and technology it's less efficient it's a little bit more expensive uh, so, so it, it's a much more of a design thing, and and but we have something we think looks good, but is also uh, has a great ROI. Yeah, yeah, not not just aspirational purchase, but also functional. That's what it, right. That's your yeah. idea. Interesting. And uh, speaking of um, energy to produce, so I understand you said three five years for an ROI of uh, of uh, implementation uh of one sunroof kind of project and this is in polish reality right in polish pricing and um poland sweden expenses yeah, so, okay yeah. interesting let's make let's make a quick, quick case study uh, for polish market so imagine i have a detached single family house with more or less 100 square meters of uh, roof area is it realistic um, if you 100 square meters of roof, yeah, 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 yeah okay. So, so and let's say this is traditional uh, double sloped uh, roof. Now, how much do you think would it be, um, um, would it cost to the equipment itself and installation, like a turnkey project? So, um, for, for uh, the range, of course, simple, yeah, yeah, for a quite simple roof, uh, you would pay something uh, between. 30 and 40,000 Polish slotties. Um, uh, so divide that with, with four or uh, basically, uh, so let's say in the range of, of eight to 10,000 euros. And uh, a sunroof would cost around 20,000 euros for, for that size. Uh, now uh, that size roof, uh, you would have almost 20 kilowatt installed power and to get 20 kilowatt power, you would first, uh, with a top mounted system, then I think you would end up, um, uh, if we are like 80, 90,000 Polish slotties, then uh, a roof plus PV installation would be 110, 130. So um, you're basically looking at uh, uh, 10,000 uh, 10, uh, euro versus uh, 12 to 15,000 euros. Yes. Okay. And how long would it take to complete the installation from, you know, first uh, visit of your installation team until a, a client can use the um, uh, equipment? So, so it's actually very quick. Uh, it's, um, I would say it's basically as quick as building a regular roof without a PV installation. Uh, because our modules are, are quite large, so you have quite few elements you're putting on the roof. Uh, also, the construction below that we are doing, the roof battens, they, it's also less of, of, of that construction. So it goes quite quickly uh, to, to construct that. I would say uh, doing a, a whole roof that's um, from start uh, between one to two weeks. Okay, and probably the last one, just to cap it all up. Uh, is there any post-installation maintenance expenses that you think worth mentioning? So it's, it's actually not so much uh, more than with a regular PV installation. Usually rain kind of uh, gets it, uh, get most of it. So from time to time, you would probably need to clean the roof as you would do with a normal PV installation. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, depending, of course, on, on the circumstances. You might live in an area which is very polluted. So of course, then you would have more, more but it's like washing washing the windows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So technically, this is not complicated for for users themselves. So it's self-sufficient. Okay. Yeah, and you have you, you don't have moving parts and stuff. So it's uh, it should be very very maintenance-free. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Before we move on to your sales channels and distribution kind of partners and so on, um, it's really interesting to 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 have a go at the marketplace idea that you have. 
And I understand you are developing this for Swedish market and plan to implement it uh, to Poland um, soon, I guess. What's the current status with this uh, in Sweden and what are the um, long-term goals for the marketplace that you have? So, um, so we are still working on the uh, technological solution for that. So um, to create, first of all, kind of a virtual power plant, you need to have uh, a device that can uh, monitor and steer. So you have kind of um, connect control uh, a, a, a device. And uh, to speed things up, we bought a Swedish company called Redlogger. So it's uh, called, it's from the Renewable Energy Data Logger. And based on that, we're building uh, new functionalities, uh, both hardware and software, uh, to be able to connect uh, the roof with batteries and, and all together into our cloud-based uh, system so that we can actually manage that. And uh, I think that um, we, um, maybe this uh, is par part of a, or partially a, a Elon Musk timeline, uh, but I actually think that we are able to uh, show next year uh, that we can connect roofs both in Sweden and Poland and sell the excess energy that uh, these roofs are producing and, uh, and make, make our customers uh, make money from, uh, uh, from the excess energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where the money printer part uh, um, can become true, I understand, that's the idea. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, th I think um, I think you are aware that marketplace alone sounds like a uh, an idea for a separate company. And so, logical question: Do you plan to put this into the uh, new company, um, and more importantly, and the new brand? Because it seems that it seems to me that you, you could you could become or this marketplace could become um, a place where not only energy produced by sunroof installations i mean your own company but also from other vendors um, might join of course if you gain the momentum and um, you know coverage uh, in europe um, at least Sure. So um, it, it's it's highly possible that we would uh, look at for a specific name for the energy trading companies that we will need to have, uh, because in all countries to be able to trade energy, you have to have a license. Uh, and, and I think the natural part would be to have a separate company. But if that will be called Sunroof Energy or uh, or something else, um, I think that's going to be a surprise next year. <laughs> OK, something in store, definitely there. Who do you think are your most promising um, distribution partners? Or would you go by installing uh, using your own teams, installation teams? So um, I, I'm quite sure that to be able to get the volume we are aiming for, uh, that um, it's, it's necessary to have a lot of uh, partners that, that uh, can join in. And uh, you could divide the partners into different kind of partners. So you, you can have um, corporations with uh, uh, providers of uh, heating pumps, for example, um, and, and um, um, companies that are selling, for example, heating pumps. They are talking very often with, with customers that are planning to build a house. So they haven't chosen the roof yet or they haven't uh, you know, taken the final decision. So, and the heating pump is using a lot of energy. So, so it makes a lot of sense to have uh, your own uh, uh, energy source basically. So, so, and we can provide that. So that's a very good partner. We've, um, we've uh, done such a partnerships with a few companies in, in Poland, for example, uh, also with a company called uh, Red Snake, which has also a uh, kind of heating mats that you implement into the walls. And, uh, and we've already have successfully completed a few projects. Uh, then we also see that companies that are selling roofs today, like traditional roofs, uh, this is also kind of a nice product for them because uh, they see what's happening on the regular PV uh, part. So you, you have a lot of sales there and they are still selling traditional tiles. And there, there hasn't been super uh, uh, much innovations in, in kind of in roofing tiles. So this is kind of a new thing that they could actually implement. And since they have both products and, and also installations team, uh, this would be also a very nice uh, uh, partner for us to cooperate with, where you actually uh, can have a partner that can do both 
the selling part and also the installation part. And we can provide them with all the materials, all the systems and, and all the calculators and configurators. So, so that, that's a very good partner. We have also signed uh, contracts with house manufacturers. So we have a few first house manufacturers that, um, that are very interested in. Um, and actually, I think the first roof being built by a house manufacturer with contract um, will be uh, in Germany, uh, where we started not long ago. And I think that will be a, a house built in, in Q1. So that's also a very nice partner for, for us that has kind of high volume of roofs. They're, they're same roof type. Um, so so that, that's also a, a, a brilliant partner. Would developers be good target for you as well as direct clients? Uh, yes. So we are also having uh, different uh, discussions, uh, negotiations and, and partnerships with, uh, with real estate developers and, and different kind of real estate developers. It can also be multi-storage, uh, multi-story houses and, and commercial buildings as well. Um, but we also have, I think, um, like six or seven projects where a house developer is building 40, 50 or even 100 houses um, in one area. And, 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 and that's also basically just replicating the same house module over and over again. And, and that's a perfect, uh, actually, uh, uh, kind of partner for us, because if you're building so many houses, you can get, uh, the, of course, a higher scale. So we can do that a little bit better price. But we can also provide with, with the storage, connecting all the houses and actually the whole area into one microgrid so that uh, the, the area is actually uh, basically self-sufficient and, and could uh, at, at a few months a year uh, with the today's technology be uh, an off-grid whole area where they have electricity also for, um, I don't know, the, the lights on the streets. Yeah, and so on. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Speaking of storage, by the way, how do you plan to storage the excess energy? So um, we are uh, we're partnering up with car manufacturer, uh, motorcycle manufacturer, and I hope also a boat manufacturer uh, to show our customers that when you have a roof that is producing more energy than the house yeah. is for heating and electricity, uh, then it makes totally sense to have an electrical vehicle because then you're producing your own uh, power. And so we, we kind of want to um, have a, a cooperation with them. But this yeah. is also not only to show our customers that uh, electrical vehicles today can also be beautiful, uh, practical and, and look really, really good and be fun. So you, you don't have to compromise on anything. Uh, we also want to get the batteries from those cars in the future. Uh, because uh, at some point you, you have a degradation in the batteries. So they get, you know, when they lose 20, 30% of their efficiency, they start to be not that good in automotive uh, application because you don't have the range, for example. Yeah. So what we want to do is take those batteries and, and, and give them a second life and not throw them away or, or, or give them to recycling. We want to take them and make storage units out of those uh, old EV batteries. So, so that's our idea. And we think that uh, taking those batteries will actually be much cheaper than to do a whole recycling and manufacturing of new batteries uh, or creating new batteries out of you know, uh, a pure uh, new resources. So, and that's gonna be a bigger and bigger issue in the future as well uh, in, in terms of you know, an in environmental um, issue with a lot of EV batteries, just looking at how many new uh, electrical vehicles is going on out of the market and, and how many of them are, uh, you know, you know, all, all manufacturers is doing EVs basically, and, and, and they will get old and we'll have a huge pile of old batteries that we need to do something of. And we, I think that this is a very, very good thing. And since we actually are going to do a virtual power plant, we actually want to have as much as storage as possible. So um, we can actually give those batteries to our customers in a subscription where uh, we can, we can uh, guarantee them a minimum amount of storage. But if we give them a little bit more, they don't have to pay for that more energy. We'll still use that in the virtual power plant, which will in the end be beneficial for the customer as uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, like you're creating something like a, um, um, 
solar energy powered circular economy. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Wow. And we are actually already talking with um, companies that uh, that are uh, building um, car uh, charging infrastructure. And what we want to do, because it doesn't make sense, if you if you are really want to be eco and have an electrical vehicle, you don't want to go to a EV charger, which is charged, uh, which is powered by coal energy. You know, <laughs> so uh, they want to have green energy, and we can sell that energy to the EV charging network. But if if one of our customers is going there and charging their car, we will be able to kind of you, he can use his own energy in that charging station and he will not be able, uh, he, he won't be you know forced to pay for the energy because he actually produced it so we, we so that's actually becoming a, a, a true ecosystem for uh, for our customers a win-win for all the parties in the equation we have so. including 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 electric vehicles that behind the first wave of overall optimism and you know excitement there will be a day when just you just say uh, uh, unnecessary i mean non-effective already batteries will be just dumped where africa asia and this will not make uh, ev uh, owners happy of course yeah. interesting out of curiosity how 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 long does it take a car battery uh, to become ineffective for a car and already an interesting uh, resource for you? So I, I don't think that that's an easy question to answer, uh, yeah. you know, because you have different cars, uh, different batteries, um, uh, and, and also the usage, how you use the battery or the car, uh, so will affect a lot. Uh, but I think it's it's a matter of um, you know maybe eight to ten years or, or above hundred thousand kilometers of of uh, uh, that you have traveled with the car. I think that that's the the, the point where you start to have noticeable uh, decrease in in, um, in 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 the performance of the battery. Um, but again, it depends on. Uh, you know, if, if you're using the car a lot and you're doing a lot of uh, charging cycles uh, that will shorten the time. Um, but I, I, I don't have a, a, a very simple answer to that. What I want to say is even if it's between five and 10 years, something like that, um, EV, I mean, electric vehicles will grow in popularity and affordability and so on. So with the increase of the, of the electric vehicle fleet, at some point, the bet secondary battery market could grow if not exponentially but by by big factor basically of yeah. intensity and that might coincide more or less with if all goes well of course with the sunroof expansion and uh, need for storage of the energy right exactly exactly we, we think so we, we think that we we, we will probably be one of those companies that that's that shows that this is possible it makes sense and as you say today um because you have had electrical vehicles for some time now and, and you have nissan leaf being you know on the market quite quite long so so we have enough of those uh, batteries to uh, to do this with uh, but as you say, we will grow very quickly, but the, the EV market is growing, you know, even quicker. So um, we won't save the earth, <laughs> but um, I'm sure that we, we can inspire others to do the same. Uh, and, uh, and we hope to also do a significant part ourselves. And just to finish this uh, topic, I think um, the other benefit from using car batteries is also the design. They are designed to be flat and not to take up uh, too much space in the car, uh, um, on the car, which if you put them vertically, basically helps you to uh, place them nicely in any house or, I mean, primary or secondary location, let's say, uh, level. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, so what we are developing right now is a racking system where we can actually put different types of batteries uh, in, a, in the same rack. 
Um, so you can you can actually get uh, I don't know a, a mix of uh, Porsche Taycan battery and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a Nissan Leaf maybe, but uh, um, I would really really like to have an exposed battery uh, as the battery is uh, in in the Polestar car. I don't know if you know the the brand Polestar. It's a quite new brand uh, uh, from it's a sub brand from Volvo. And they make beautiful cars, uh, amazing. Like the, the, and they're winning a lot of awards. They've done a, a tremendous job with the car. Uh, and if if you look at the Polestar One, the first car, it's actually a hybrid. But but um, uh, when you open the the trunk uh, and and look in the back, the, the, there's a plexi uh, 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 windshield where you can actually see cables and, and, and parts of the of, 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 um, uh, of the battery. And that looks really amazing. And I would really love to have such uh, such a uh, beautiful thing on my wall uh, in my house. Let's move on to second round, competition landscape and competitors. There are a couple. More and more will appear along, uh, along the way. And definitely one of the companies uh, has proven the uh, concept and did the POC kind of uh, uh, workload for you, definitely. Uh, we cannot go uh, into this conversation without Tesla and uh, solar roof. Um, do you still consider them a strong competitor or at least in Europe alone? So uh, for sure, Tesla is, uh, is a company that, um, you know, has a lot of of um, goodwill in the brand. They 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 have an amazing brand. They can attract amazing people. Um, I, I don't think they have issue with capital. So for sure, uh, so for sure, that's that's a, a brilliant competitor. And actually, I would say that Tesla is probably the the most direct competitor to us, because if you think about um, what we want to do, so having the roof, having a uh, a storage uh, and we want to you know provide also with partnership cars uh, connect all of them into one system and sell the energy that's exactly what tesla is doing uh, but the difference is that tesla they do their own roof they do their own batteries they do they do their own cars and so they do everything themselves so i would say that um, as of a competitor in our um, space uh, however you would call the space we are in they are the apple of that space because they have everything their own seamlessly integrated and, and very beautiful, um, but also very expensive. Uh, and, and we on, a, on the other side, we will not sell the cars. We, we hope to have partnership with Porsche, with, uh, with uh, Polestar, with Nissan and, you know, all other uh, car manufacturers with, with different EVs. Um, uh, with the batteries, we will use their batteries, so we will not create our own batteries. And so on. so I would say that we are more of a Microsoft uh, in that area. So you have Apple versus Microsoft in, in, in this terms. Then, of course, if you look at every uh, every kind of uh, level, then we also have different competitors. We have in Germany Next Kraftwerke, which is doing virtual power plant software, but they're doing for large scale stuff. And then you have um, uh, in the in the roof segment, you also have com comp competitors except Tesla. We have Swedish Svea uh, Solar, which is a kind of cool company, and and um, uh, and you have also Swedish Soltec Energy. Uh, in Poland, you have um, ML System. So you have a few of those competitors, but they are doing kind of one thing uh, out of um, a whole whole kind of the whole thing that we are looking at. So yeah. um, so for sure, there there will be a lot. And actually, with Tesla, there's another fun fun fact is that. You know, Elon Musk actually acquired his cousin's company because Solar City, as it was in the beginning, it was his cousin. And you can say it's almost the same with Sunroof because my brother actually started the company, but I've uh, invested in it and, and uh, acquired a lot of shares and taking over it. So, <laughs> so yeah, watch out, Elon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely uh, lots of parallels um, in your experience. And you also mentioned some somewhere that uh, your solution is basically cheaper for client. Yes. As well. And there's yeah, still exactly. potential, and there's still potential, I understand, to become more even uh, more, more effective uh, price-wise, right? 
Yeah. So, um, so in, in the core of the electricity power production uh, technology, if you call it like that, uh, you have uh, you have Tesla using a thin foil solution, and we are using uh, monocrystalline silicon-based solution. So, so they are very different in terms of how you produce them and the efficiency. And um, uh, the uh, silicon-based uh, solar cells that we use, that's what you have in all the solar panels all over the world. Like that's mass product. That's the okay. highest efficiency and so on. Um, but it has it's it's also its drawbacks. Uh, on the other side, you have uh, the thin foil, and you have the positive things that it's less, um, um, you know, you, it, it's less uh, um, uh, kind of uh, if you have shade shadings coming on the roof and so on, it doesn't really, uh, you know, make such a big effect of that. And you have it more uh, kind of flexible, so you can do a little bit more uh, nicer designs of, of different things. But on the other side, it's um, it's less efficient per square meter, okay. and it's also uh, quite expensive still to produce. So you, you still have kind of a double negative effect from an economical perspective because it's more expensive and less efficient. So it will take. Um, I actually don't know if they ever will come close uh, or to uh, to silicon based because silicon based uh, solar cells are still developed uh, anyway. You have, of course, a maximum uh, of how much efficiency you you physically can uh, get out of that. Um, but uh, we have ideas also how to 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 increase the the power production from roofs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course, and. How would you say, uh, how, how future-proof are your current solutions, basically? Are you ready to implement now, or are you thinking about this future-proofing, let's say, the, the, the solution um, and to, keep in, to, keep, to, get, to take into consideration the new technologies in the um, PV kind of uh, industry? Absolutely. So, so from, from one perspective, um, the roof today is producing more energy than the house needs. So, so, so it's a question of, um, is isn't that future proof enough? Uh, but let's say it's it's um, we come up with something even better, even more powerful, and you could earn even more from from your roof. Um, the the system is very simple, so it's it's quite easy to take off one module and put there another one. So, uh, so yes, I would say it's um, it's very easy to remove the roof or remove one module um, if, if it's broke or something. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think so. But on the other hand, I, I don't think that you actually need to do that. And we're working on the system to actually make the, you could say that the roof is actually in the future now because we don't have the virtual power plant connected yet. Um, and, and there's no virtual power plant uh, as we know of on earth that um, connects uh, small scale residential roofs. So, so in that sense, you, I would say that the roof is already future proof uh, and, and a little bit ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay. Let's move on to round three, uh, companies ups and downs, successes and failures. What would you say is the biggest success of the company this year? Let's say beyond investment, I'm, I mean, beyond uh, the successful uh, funding round, we'll cover this in the next uh, parts of the podcast. Other than that, what's what's the biggest success? So the absolute number one uh, is that uh, we've assembled a, a fantastic team, uh, both of a fantastic team of co-founders, uh, but also a, a great team of, of uh, you know, new employees that have joined Sunroof. And and started to you know do a lot of different amazing stuff, and and it's Sweden, Poland, Germany, uh, so so I would say that's number one, and it it dwarfs everything else. <laughs> and this breakthrough in team building was in 2020, I understand, right? Yeah. So so if I would back 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 a little bit with, with the company um, so my my brother started this and it, it was he's a construction engineer and um, okay. and he created the first roof and then he started that as a side project to his construction company with with some other guys and um, and at some point I invested and they started to uh, to grow the business a little bit 
but um, it, it was not really the the, the right team, uh, at least not for for what I would like to do with the company. So during 2019, um, I actually bought out uh, all other shareholders in the company except my brother. And then I started to assemble a new team that would like to create a unicorn um, really, really fast. Uh, and um, and uh, yeah, and I, I got, got uh, a lot of uh, great people on board to, to join as co-founders. Uh, that also invested some and uh, and we started to to build it so and that's people that has done amazing uh, companies before serial entrepreneurs uh, people that has worked for uh, for google for rocket internet and and so on so so we have a lot of experience now uh, in the company we actually calculated so the combined um, exits or the combined value of the companies that the co-founders has done is above 20 billion euros. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, so I think that's, um, that's an amazing team. That, that's, I, and, and actually, when we talk with investors, one very common uh, question I get is that, is they, uh, are they actually engaged in the company? Because usually you have though such an. Uh, you read my mind. Yes, yes. Yeah. What's the, what's what's the case? Are they involved a hundred percent? Yes, uh, absolutely. I would say uh, much more than hundred percent. And uh, and the question is because usually you have one or two founders, and then you might have advisors with a lot of experience, and not so many uh, people very very experienced working operationally. But I, I think I had uh, a lot of luck in terms of timing because um, uh, two of those founders, uh, they actually had kind of quit uh, or ended some projects and they have had this time of, of kind of free time to think a little bit of what's next and starting to build appetite to do, you know, a new venture again and, you know, having uh, very large ambitions to, to do that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, coming with, with Sunroof, the idea, the vision and, and the market, they, I, I think everyone sees the, the potential and actually not only potential for, for, for a unicorn, we think that, you know, both just the roofs is a unicorn potential in the business. Then if you add on top of that with the, with the storage, that's another unicorn business. And then if you put on top of that, the electricity, uh, then it's another unicorn. So we, we, we think that it's actually a decacorn uh, uh, <laughs> um, potential in the business. And, and that's, that's our you know, very, very large ambitions. And that's what we are aiming for. And we hope to get as close as possible. Yeah, yeah. Just for regular viewers, we are now combining uh, a couple of rounds here about the company and company's ups and downs. And while we are on the team, let's just, you know, go ahead and mention them. So there's Lech Kanyuk, serial entrepreneur and investor and businessman created lots of wonderful businesses you can read whole wikipedia articles definitely about Lech. there's also rafael potetsky um the interesting fact about rafael i found is that he was the first one to introduce to poland dial-up internet yeah in 1993 as far back and he also launched the google campus warsaw and then you have marek zwiswowski a tech entrepreneur mostly working in africa is that so yeah exactly um, we have others as well, maybe less uh, known profiles, but also very successful entrepreneurs or people who worked with me. So, as co founders um, yeah. or team members? Uh, co founders. So, ah, interesting. Uh, we have also uh, Martin Szczepankowski. Um, he's a Polish guy. He's, uh, he's a lawyer uh, from, from kind of background, he's a lawyer, but he never worked as a lawyer because he's a just you know, too entrepreneurial, I guess. <laughs> and um, he was with me in Deliver Hero. And then also when I invested and was operational in iTaxi, he was as well there. So uh, so had had luck to, to actually have the possibility to um, kind of also have a good timing that, that he, uh, he wanted to join. Um, and uh, we have uh, Yuman uh, Likke von Sidov with us as well. And he's, um, um, he's also done amazing stuff, uh, uh, but more of a corporate CFO guy, uh, but a lot of experience in, in this area. We have also um, Eric, uh, a guy that has um, done um, a lot of things um, in, 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 uh, in Scandinavia, also built technology, a technology company successfully. So um, yeah, and, and my brother as well. <laughs>
meaning uh, you have a team of seven co-founders, six, seven, seven co-founders, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, it, it, we're a large team, but we, we, we also want to do a lot. And I think the, the difference, um, I think the difference also here is that when I was assembling this team, it has been assembled with a lot of, um, you know, it has been thoughtfully done uh, because you have a very large diversity of people, very successful, but from different areas and different uh, different um, networks and um, and so on. So it's um, I think that's what makes investors very you know confused that how's that possible, but. Uh, as I as I said, I think it's it's both uh, you know thinking what what will a company that will grow super fast need internationally, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and how how should we make this uh, as successful as possible and, and and kind of give the odds the the best chances, and and from my experience, the people are number one. So, so I, I, I took some time to assemble the team, but um, yeah, and I, I mean, when, when, when we start to get uh, one or two of those guys on board, it's very easy to onboard uh, another guys <clears throat> as well, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like in football, you know, when a company's uh, company, I mean, a football team is composed of like superstars, then it does not always work properly and or function properly. So you want to say your team of superstars is working effectively and functions properly <laughs> and the performance will be improving, right? So um, it's a very interesting point that, that you're actually uh, mentioning. And um, I think that uh, we are very um, aware of, of a lot of kind of people dynamics, let's call it like that. And what we do, and that we do that with everyone that we uh, employ actually in the company, we are actually doing this um, these tests of, of kind of profiling the person's personality, uh, and uh, and we kind of know get to know the people, and also that the people get to know themselves, so so that we we actually do profiling of the people's uh, personality to be able to understand people better and function with them better and also adjust our communication better. Um, so, so for example, I am a person which is very, um, very goal oriented and very, I want things very short and, and, and in bullet points. And you might have other members that, that they want to talk a lot and uh, explain. Uh, and when those two people meet, uh, the one that talks a lot, he has to know that I'm I don't, I don't want all that information. I want the yeah. essence yeah. and very short, but I also have to understand that this other person has, you know, he has to talk a lot and then I have to give him the room to talk a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very Swedish approach, I should say, probably. And if, it, if it's not a secret, what tests do you uh, prefer or you're using mostly? Personality, I understand, personality evaluation or assessment tests. Uh, yeah, um, our recruitment manager and Rafa is actually uh, uh, doing those. Um, okay. uh, I don't remember the um, McQuake, I think, is, is one of the tools. Okay, okay. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. I will ask, you know, uh, maybe in a little bit of a provocative mo uh, uh, mood, so to say. Using personality tests is probably a sign of a corporate mentality do you use them just because you are accustomed used to them uh, having worked in like big large co uh, corporations or do you think they are doing their job in like saving you from potential conflicts and um saving you time for recruitment process as well like what what's so i so yeah um so so if i if i I was part of, of the co-founders of what today is Delivery Hero. And Delivery Hero is today a, a massive corporate company. And um, and I've, I've um, worked also in, 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 in other ones. And, and I, I, I would say that I don't like the corporate's negative side with a lot of bureaucracy and you know, processes and stuff like this. So I don't like that part. 
Um, but on the other hand, if we want to make a, a scaling a machine, which is very easy to scale or easy, it's easier to scale, uh, you need to set a different things in, in processes so that you can do that in a kind of repeatable uh, uh, thing. And that's, that is a little bit more of a corporate uh, uh, thing. Um, so we are actually uh, becoming, we start to have a few of those corporate treats, um, I would say quite early, uh, if, if you look at the time that we have worked. Uh, but I, I think that's necessary for us to to become a little bit corporate in different areas because of the the growth rate we are we are having but also that we we plan to do an ipo within three to five years and to be ipo ready we need to have a lot of you know processes and and, and stuff like that in place so um but but to answer you about the the hr part um, I would say that's absolutely not nothing to do with um, uh, with trying to be a corporate or you know getting those structures or being used to them. Uh, that's because we really understand that building a large successful company is all about having great people on board and uh, and recruiting well and doing good recruitment so that you um, kind of don't have high turnover or you do miss recruitments and so on and that's the reason that why we actually have a very corporate uh, 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 like uh, recruitment process mm -hmm. just like getting ready for the massive scale up right at the company right now okay interesting speaking of the team you managed to hire and uh, to hire ceo for germany from uh tesla powerwall business um the the uh, robert bruchner right he was i guess what sales director sales sales director for tesla right powerwall business have out of curiosity did you headhunt him a poach from tesla or that was again a window of opportunity for for you to attract him we did a direct search uh, wow interesting and, and um uh, connect contacted him uh, directly and um, he got very excited with what we want to do so that's so i guess <laughs> that alone should make lots of future investors at least um, think uh, hard before saying no to you right <laughs> <laughs> interesting with this let's uh, wrap up uh, round three and four um we will skip failures or maybe if you have something to share on the failure side maybe your own mistake that would be of interest as well so i think we're doing you know failures on a daily basis uh fortunately um i think the major failures has been very early stage so more than a year ago and uh partially also with the people that that got involved in the company uh, back in the days i would say okay. uh, but um so 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 those failures um we've turned that into a success by you know buying them out and and in introducing new a new team uh but so so for sure uh, the, those early stage uh, um th there has been a lot of a lot of failures also choosing wrong partners to work with um, um, so, but I would say failures are, it's a, it's a natural and integrated part of developing a company. And I'm, I'm super sure we will do a lot of failures, uh, and, um, we're growing very fast. So what we also have uh, failed uh, is for, for example, on a technological side, uh, we've also failed a little bit on, on, on that organizational part. So we'll, um, you know, recruit uh, new people in tech and so on. So, so there's, but I, I think I, I don't see those as a big failures. I see them as natural failures in everyday business that everyone has that is an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. You treat them as lemon juice makers treat uh, lemons, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, um, so we want to do something really, really large, like, like, uh, really truly an international company not only in Europe but but across most continents uh, we want to do a lot of innovations and um, we as the co-founders we we have appetite to really create a, a, a company that is really a, has a unicorn status 
And we, what we also um, has said is that we will give it this decade. So, um, so starting, you could say we would kind of have a new start with with Sunroof 2020. Okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, giving it this decade uh, gives also a lot of perspective. So in terms of what we want to do and the time frame we also are giving it, um, I think the failures we're having uh, they are they are quite small. <laughs> And again, the fact that you are um, serial entrepreneur and with uh, you know large-scale businesses and visible businesses and um, definitely you know known known companies and so on, just makes you what makes you immune to 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 failures. What I mean, immune to negative reactions to failures, right? And this this really helps psycho psychologically. You know, any failure, any like hiccup um not to beep us out um is hides some kind of opportunity somewhere there deep right yeah i think it's a mix i think it's a mix you know of of um if, if i look back yeah. uh, there are so many failures but um but 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 at the end at the end if you're resilient and continue uh you can achieve a, a big a lot of success although all of those failures and all of those failures are giving a lot of learning opportunities as well. So kind of just accepting that there will be failures every, you know, all, 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 all <laughs> like always, uh, there will be failures. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that's, I think that that kind of creates this, as you say, an immunity to, to kind of, um, you know, not be depressed by them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's part, but I also think that to be an entrepreneur, you also have to have this kind of naive, uh, hopeful dream that this future will be so fantastic that that motivates you so much that not even you know failures can stop you. And I think that's probably the the biggest thing that that's um, kind of keep keeps you going as an entrepreneur that your vision of of what you're doing and and the feeling that even if you're failing um you're still moving forward you're still kind of taking those small steps uh, forward and you're kind of getting closer and closer to that um uh, to 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 that uh, uh, vision uh, that 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 is motivating and, and also like we we are very open uh you know all of the co-founders that are, what we are doing today is new to everyone uh, and that's also something that is very kind of liberating in, in a sense, because we openly say that, hey, we don't know how this works or how we should, how should we sell solar roofs? No one has sold solar roofs before. So we, we just have to try different things. And when you are not knowing if something works and you're trying, then failure is obviously a part of your uh, also success of getting to know the business. <laughs> so yeah. it's I think it's a it's it's of like utmost importance, you know, to make sure everybody again makes um, uh, has a takeaway here. A success to be a successful entrepreneur. I understand this is what you say. You have to allow yourself to be sometimes blind to all the really hardships and you know difficult obstacles allow yourself to be sometimes just as say naive or let's put it you know stupid enough not to rationally analyze the, the problems you have uh, in front of you and this is critical definitely rationalizing and analyzing you not only paralyze yourself you just make things impossible that are hardly doable in the first place right yeah, exactly. And and you also said what that lack of industry knowledge can be an advantage as well. I I, I think so. I mean, we are not constrained by yeah. knowing how stuff should be, and yeah. we just you know, we have a vision, uh, and we just try to make it work. And uh, and maybe we're thinking, you know, in, in new paths because we we don't know how regular companies are thinking. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and and I think we can approach everything in a more exploratory way. So you know, and and that's how we have evolved basically. So you know, uh, when we have uh, when we created a few roofs and and we see that they are producing more energy than the house needs, it's like, huh, 
maybe we should do something with that because it makes so much more sense to sell a product which we can actually then also monetize uh, on a monthly basis, year over year over year, than just sell a product and hope that the customer after 40 years, when he, he wants to change the roof, he comes back to us. You know, the, <laughs> the frequency we were so low. So it will be basically a one-off sale. And then you're, you know, you've ended your, your, your relationship with the customer. And I think that would be so boring. And, um, uh, and, and we see the opportunity to build, you know, a, a business, which, which is, you know, having a relationship with the customer for, for so many years. And so the lifetime value is very high. And, and, uh, and then when you actually know that the relationship with the customer should be for the next 30, 40 years, then I think it's also something that you really want to make sure that those 30, 40 years will be happy years with the customers and he yeah. had with your roof and not, you know, in, in we, we know so many companies in, for example, in Poland selling PV installations, which are just popping up from the woods. I don't know from where they are popping up and they have so, you know, so bad quality on the work because they know that they are selling, they will yeah. just, you know, go out there um, and they will never meet the customer again and then just leave the customer. And knowing that we will kind of never leave the customer, um, that's something I think we will also make into one of our USPs as a, as a, as a company, uh, because the, the customer will know that we will be there. And if we are actually making money also on the energy that we are selling for the customer, yeah. that makes us very interested to, uh, you know, to make sure that his, is his or her roof is actually working well and producing a lot of energy. So I, I think that this this kind of becomes a very, very um, attractive uh, proposition that we are coming with. Um, so, so the business model itself makes it um, very important and critical to be of the highest customer service, um, you know, best practices and standards in the company as well from the very beginning, definitely. With this, let's move on to final round. Round five, we call this formula, formula F3, funding for the future. So let's see where you stand right now in terms of uh, investment and what's the current situation. Let me just kick in with uh, announcing or, or, or just mentioning that you closed late seed round at 2 million euros, I understand. And uh, funds like Smoke Ventures, LT Capital, EIT, In Energy Knowledge Hub, and some business angels as well. This is all, of course, impressive uh, during 2020 COVID times and so on. But there's another interesting uh, facet, let's say, for this round. All of this was remote. Yeah. T tell us a little yeah. bit about that. How do you do remote uh, uh, fund closing, funding closing? So yeah, it it has been very uh, truly a unique uh, fundraising. So um, actually, um, what the first thing what which was I think very unique was that uh, Smock uh, they committed their ticket after one hour after I have sent the pitch deck. Uh, so I already had the first investor after one hour uh, after sending the pitch deck. Usually it takes like six months to yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> Um, but I, I think, you know, with a, with a co-founder team, I think that helps a lot, obviously. Um, so, so yeah, and, and, and I think that since, um, uh, since we are a Swedish company, uh, we can do a lot, uh, a, a lot of, of, of different things, uh, remote as well, signing and so on. Um, so, and, and I think this was quite early but many of the vcs and so on they have they, they have they started to get used to video conference quite yeah. quite quickly so I, I think that was um, a, a very interesting thing that we actually managed to do um, uh, that's completely remote basically and um, uh, yeah it was it, it was quite quite specific but we are actually closing our next round already yes interesting uh, so mm -hmm. I think that we will uh, um, close uh, another 4 million euro in January. 
Um, and uh, uh, we have a few VCs that, that are, have even bigger appetite. So they are starting to kind of uh, uh, pile up in, in, in before our Series A round. So we want to really do a, a big Series A round. And that will probably be in end of, of 2021. Okay. So we will start off the year with another 4 million euro and uh, um, we are looking to, to raise uh, another 20 million euro by end of next year. Series A, 20 million euros by end of 2021. That's the, that's the idea, right? Um, what's the projected MRR, if we can speak of any MRR by then, by before just before Series A? Do you have any... I, like range maybe or forecast um yeah so we, we're actually right now in a in a re-forecasting process um, okay. because we we actually have better productivity of our sales teams than we uh, had in the previous budget so um we actually what we budgeted on in the beginning of of this year uh we we actually have doubled that by this year so okay. Um, uh, so the productivity is better. So we are actually working on, on the updated. Uh, but I, I would say that we will, uh, by the uh, Series A round, uh, we will cross the 100 million uh, euro valuation. Um, 100 million euro valuation by end of 2021. Okay. Um, what are your expectations from, let's say, Series A uh, investors beyond money so we're looking at two types of investors uh, one is um, investors that can either help us accelerate in the energy sector and with the acceleration um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they should you know be an energy company and and, uh, and connect you know us to them or something like that but um, we, we see a, a few uh, VCs that there are investing actively in, in, um, in the energy sector. So in second life battery solutions or, you know, different tech companies within the tech energy sector. And that's very interesting for us because we will probably grow partially also with acquisitions. So uh, we want to kind of have a broad radar on, on different things what's happening in terms of tech. And uh, so that will be one, um, one type of, of, of VC that will be very interesting that has a broad spectrum of, of uh, a portfolio companies already, but also radar on, on new startups coming up that we can maybe partner up with, absorb, you know, acquire, invest in. Uh, the other one is, um, or preferably maybe both, um, is also an investor that can be uh, very helpful with the Series B round. So, um, and and uh, with helpful in Series B rounds, we see that in kind of two different ways. One way is that they can, of course, do an, a, a follow-on round, which is significant, so that we can start from something and not from zero. Uh, and the other one is that they can also um, introduce us to uh, to even bigger VCs that they can, uh, you know, start to do. Uh, much larger tickets as well. Uh, we're also looking at United States. So uh, it might be that uh, we would really like to have a, a VC investing that has a lot of contacts with um, really good uh, VCs with good track record in United States. So yeah, so I, I would say that that's the, the, the three things uh, we are mainly looking at. So the um, bridge round of 4 million euros uh, just before Series A, what's the key uh, deliverables you hope to, um, to, to achieve with that in 2021? So the, the, the main de deliverable will be that we will grow 10x uh, within 10 to 12 months. That's, uh, that's our uh, main focus. And, and that we will show that we can grow that in Sweden, Poland, and Germany. Yes. Uh, that, that's the main thing, yeah. Wow, interesting. A 10x growth for the next year. Interesting. Lech, thanks a lot. That's been a really, really interesting uh, conversation. We definitely could go on forever. And I specifically try to keep 
us away from some topics that would probably keep you talking for hours and hours and we would never finish this conversation having in mind we're recording this uh, somewhere middle mid-december 2020 do you have any wishes for the audience um in this festive season well stay safe and still stay healthy and um, don't forget about trying to um, realize your dreams <laughs> Realize your dreams, everyone, but first define them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... As you see, the almost legendary Lech Kanyuk has embarked into a new startup adventure. This company seems to be powered not only by the sun, but also by the stars in the team and by Lech's own sky-high ambitions. In terms of uh, B2C solar panels, Elon Musk looks like Lech's eventual direct competitor, at least in some geographies, like the European Union in the short or mid-term. And in a way, Elon Musk is a dream sparring partner, and I wish Sunroof and Lech to come out of this sparring as a winner, of course. That's it for today, folks. All the best. Bye-bye.